Welcome to another episode of the Dan Norton Show. Today, I am here with Samuel Marks, and we are going to discuss the exist or debate, uh, maybe uh, discuss slash debate, uh, the existence of God and whatever other topics that naturally leads to, if any. So uh, before we get into the debate, let me just uh, ask Samuel, uh, could you just give us a quick little intro about yourself? Sure. Um, so my name's Samuel Marks. I'm, I'm in Sydney, Australia. Um, I do a bunch of things. Um, uh, I run a company, I run a charity. I, I'm just finishing off my PhD in medicine at Sydney Uni. Um, and I believe in God um, and consider myself Jewish as do other Jews. <laughs> okay. So I, I recently have been posting on Facebook various uh, invitations uh, to, to debate various topics. And I guess you saw one of those. Yep. And that's what led to, to this discussion. So, all right, well, let's get into it then. Uh, so, of course, uh, I will be taking the atheist position and Samuel will be taking the theist position. And uh, we don't have any formal rules here for like no opening statements or closing statements. There's no moderator. So this is going to be kind of an informal discussion. And uh, you can start if you want, or I can say a few things. Do you have a preference on how we get into this? Um, so, so I understand that you come at it from a, um, um, like you can, you're, you're an Ayn Rand kind of, kind of follower. You, you follow the, the objectivist theories. Um, um, and, and, and I don't, you know, I've got, I've got plenty of friends that are objectivists that I don't disagree with, with, with most of the philosophy, but is it really, you know, you, 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 you've got such a strong idea of, of there not being a God. Um, how, how do you reconcile that with, um, with reality? How do I reconcile there not being a God with reality? Well, I don't know what there is to reconcile that you think there is to reconcile. So maybe you can uh, indicate where you think there's a conflict and then I could speak to so, that. So there are a lot of open questions in, in science. In fact, all of science essentially is, is open questions. Um, but, you know, we, we, we've made a lot of progress over the, the past, you know, 5,000 years of civilization. Um, and and learnt a lot about how the human body works, learnt math, learnt all these things. But we still, there are still some serious unanswered questions that seem to be unanswerable. Um, and the unanswerable nature of those of of something that is that is not not rationally. Uh, not something which can be measured so so the idea that you know in, 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 kind of what aristotle said about the unmoved mover so so you know a rock falling down a hill but what what pushed that rock down the hill you know if 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 we if we agree with with all modern physics you know everything from the big bang to to quantum quantum theory etc etc although i know that the Randians aren't, aren't, aren't big on quantum. Um, 
Um, but, but if we agree with the Big Bang Theory, we agree with, with, with special relativity and, and all these things, it still doesn't answer the question about what started that. Um, so I, I, I would argue that what started that, what set everything in motion is God. Okay. Well, there are certainly many things in science that's, uh, they're open questions, many things we don't understand yet. And I have no doubt we will go on learning things about the worlds uh, forever. Yep. Uh, but I don't think that, I, I don't see that that's relevant to establishing the existence of a God. I just think that means we're not omniscient and we have things to learn. But I don't think there's a way to get from that to uh, there's something started the universe. Um, I think the as for a beginning of the universe, I think there's uh, I don't think there was one. The way I think of the universe is as being eternal. So it's out of time. And there are events that happen within the universe. And we can say that events within the universe happen at certain times like this, this event of our having this discussion is happening on February 18th, uh, 2021. Um, so there are particular times of particular events within the universe, but we can't say what is the date of the universe or put a time on the universe as a whole. So I don't think it, the idea of time really applies when you're talking about well, everything. Well, I think, I think, I actually think you can. And I think people have, like, 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 like theoretical physicists have, put a time on the universe. Um, and um, the way they've done that is you look at the rate of the universe expanding and you just use, use math to backtrack that all the way down to, okay, well, it started at, you know, a big bang point and we're, we're this far, you know, galaxies are this far away from each other now. And, you know, all the processes before that, you know, all the gas and, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an astrophysicist, but all the stuff that 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 precluded the the formation of of galaxies, um, and you can backtrack it all the way down until you actually do have, you know, here is how old the universe is. So, so I, I would I would actually argue against that from a scientific perspective. Um, um, we do roughly know the date of the universe, um, and. Um, uh, the fact that the universe had a had a initial, there was a start of the universe. There will be a, a, a an end of the universe, um, and we're we, we're far away from from either end of those. But the fact that there was a start and the fact that there is an end, um, I would I would hazard means that there is a god. Um, um, again, I can. I can come across defending the existence of God from a variety of other other aspects, but from a pure, you know, scientific aspect, there's nothing in science that, um, as yet, you know, I, I, you know, if, you, if if there's some science science that can disprove this, then I, I'm all ears. Um, but as yet, I have not seen any any science which has disproven the existence of God. Um, if anything, science is only has only meant to affirm the existence of God. Okay. So at least from this high level. Okay. So it sounds like you're, you're referring to the big bang when you're talking about 
the that we can trace the the history of the universe back and then date it. Yes. Uh, I, I so I think the the Big Bang, assuming it happens, uh, I don't know if there's consensus, but I don't think it matters um, to okay. this point. Yeah, it's most, mostly consensus. You know, you've got a few. Okay. Yeah. So assuming it happens, I don't think that the Big Bang is when the universe started. I think that's when the universe changed its form. It's not that something came into existence at the time of the Big Bang. It's that what was in existence changed its form. So I don't see that as a beginning of the universe or the beginning of existence. And aside from that point, uh, I think you face these same questions with God. You could ask, well, how could it be that God is eternal? Who created God? And I think, you know, some people will say, well, God is eternal and that's, that's fine, but it's just the universe that can't be eternal. But why is that? Why should we think that uh, one thing, it's not that you're in principle against something being eternal. Um, it's just that you have a different view of what it is that's eternal. Instead of saying it's uh, the universe, you would say it's God. But to that, I would say, well, why not start with something we have, we definitely have evidence of um, the world we see with our eyes and just assume that uh, it's, it's eternal rather than positing this other thing that we don't have evidence of, I would think, and you can, you can argue with that. But um, I, I don't see that positing a God helps anything here. And I, I don't think that the theist has anything in principle against something being eternal. Uh, okay, I think I've made my points for now, so I'll, I'll, let me turn it back to you. Sure, no, no, I, I, I understand that perspective. Um, maybe it's better, to, maybe it's better to, to, to flip it a little bit, and, and maybe you can tell me why you don't believe in God. Maybe, that, maybe that's a, a good way, because I've been framing it so far, but maybe, maybe you need to frame it just so I understand where you're coming from. Okay. Well, there are, I think there are a couple types of atheists. So there, there's the type of atheist that says positively, there is no God. And then there's the type of atheist who simply says, I lack a belief that there is a God. So as opposed to affirmatively saying there's no God, it's just the absence of a belief that there is a God. Uh, now, you, I think you could hold both of those views um perhaps for for different but compatible reasons and my latest thinking on this is such that i think there are, there are grounds for both of those types of atheism i think there are grounds for affirmatively saying there is no god at least assuming that god has a certain kind of meaning to it and we can talk about that and there's also grounds for uh, simply lacking a belief in God. So we can talk about either of those things, uh, either of those versions of atheism, we might consider them to be versions of atheism. So do you wanna go down one of those paths right now? Well, I, I, think, I, think, what, I think the path I wanna go down is, is the path that you believe in. So, so, okay. so, so rather than rather than saying you know this author believes in this that that author believes in that, I think I think what I want to know is what you believe in because um, arguably the goal of this is to convince you of a different position and arguably your goal is to convince me of a different position, <laughs> although although in reality it's to convince the audience. But 
but we'll, but we'll see what happens. All right. Well, I'm not sure exactly what the goal is. I think there might be multiple goals here. Uh, but anyways, uh, yeah, we can talk about what I believe. Um, so I, I don't have a belief in God. So I'm, I'm an atheist in that sense. I, I, I lack a belief in God. And I also think there is reason to positively think there is not a God. So I'm also an atheist in that sense that you might call it a stronger sense, um, given certain assumptions about uh, what it means to be a God. Um, by the way, your, your video disappeared. I don't know if that was intentional. Um, it's fine either way, but just- all right, sorry, to, sorry. Please, please go. Uh, that, that's all right. Um, so maybe I'll start with, uh, well, I guess we, we need to uh, have some idea of what God means here before we can make sense of uh, these positions. So what is it that I lack a belief in or that I think there is evidence against? Um, well, of course, there are different conceptions of what God is. And, you know, different religions have somewhat different views <laughs> of God. And, you know, some are polytheistic and some are monotheistic. Um, but if we, we take God to be, um, well, basically any of those, I, I, I don't think there's, there's evidence for. I, 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 mean, I mean, maybe, maybe you grew up with a certain religion and, and that's what, what you're reacting against. Is that, I, I didn't that grow up that? with a certain religion, but I did grow up in American culture and you know, the dominance view uh, uh, on religion in America. I think most Americans are some kind of Christian. Yep. But you know, there are other religions as well, Judaism and uh, you know, Islam uh, it also exists in America. But uh, growing up, I, I guess I was most exposed to people who were some kind of Christian. Um, although my personal, uh, like I didn't grow up in a religious home myself, but other you know, relatives um, that I would visit, they were usually some kind of Christian. So, so I don't believe in that kind. I don't think there's evidence for that kind of God. So if that's what's meant by God, the Christian God, yeah, uh, or the and, Jewish and, and, God, or the Muslim God, yeah, and and, and 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 would it be fair to say that that your um, that your disagreement with religion is also about how religion is practiced, or you would be fine with religion if they just took out the God? Uh, no, I wouldn't be fine with it without the God. I also, I have different disagreements with religious ethics. I think that religious morality is, is very opposed to the kind of morality that I think is good. So the morality of self-sacrifice or altruism, um, it, that's, that's typically uh, the sort of mor morality that religion in, in America, anyways, Christianity, Judaism yeah. uh, upholds. And I, I, I strongly oppose that. So no, it's much more than just the existence of God. Because okay. uh, you're familiar with um, uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, uh, his, his Bible. Yeah, he uh, crossed out the miracles or something, but he yeah. left in the ethical yeah. uh, aspects of it. Yeah, I would cross out the ethical aspects as well. Or at least many of <laughs> them. I'm not saying there's, there's no words at all in there that I would agree with, but I Definitely all the uh, 
parts about sacrificing yourself for the sake of others, loving thy enemy. Um, certainly, there's a lot there I would disagree with. So, so, so there's also the the, the Jonathan Haidt argument that that religion is is civilization building. Um, that it's about a it's about a shared ideal, and and we and people circling either literally like in Mecca or figuratively like in other religions, circling that shared ideal, um, and and moving towards it. Um, obviously, Christianity is a much uh, has a much simpler way of doing that because you know it's all about Jesus, arguably. Um, so you just you know live your life like he lived his life and. And that brings you closer to that goal, whereas Judaism is a, a far more arguably nuanced religion, um, um, where it's you know more difficult to figure out how to how to act in the world. And yes, there are six hundred and thirteen you know commandments, but you know you can't do them all, and and you know there are plenty of contradictions. Um, I mean, I mean, do you agree with, with Jonathan Haidt's argument? Do you think that for a civilization to be built, it needs organized religion? I don't, uh, first of all, I'm not familiar with his argument. So I, I, I can only go on your presentation of it here, but I, I, don't, I don't see that religion is necessary for civilization. I, I think, uh, it might have been a natural way for human beings to start um, or to believe thousands of years ago. Um, so it, it might be part of the normal course of human developments to uh, have some kind of religious view, although I'm not sure about that. But in any case, right now, I, I don't think there's any need for religion. And I think there uh, civilization would be uh, much better off if it had a secular philosophy as its foundation um, because it's, I think that's... I, I don't know so much about that. Um, I, I think um, um, as much as I agree with, with Ayn Rand and, and, and her theories and, and, you know, it's good to see alternative defenses of natural rights, um, um, which I'm a strong, a strong adherent of. Um, uh, I don't think you could build a civilization off, off objectivists. Um, and the reason I say that is it's, 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 you know, I, maybe it's just, maybe it's just my world, but every objectivist I know, it's not like they've got a family of objectivists. It's, you know, you've got maybe one, objectivist in the entire family, maybe two. It's not, you know, we, we look at Christian families or, or Jewish families to some degree. Everyone is, you know, everyone has those core beliefs and everyone follows them together, or at least in principle they do. Um, whereas with, you know, in Judaism, you'd get together on a Friday night with your, your whole family and you would go through the motions maybe some of you would believe the motion, some of you would just be going through it as, as ritual. I don't, I don't see, you know, people pulling out like we the living or capitalism, the unknown ideal and, and, you know, reading portions of that to their family. 
I, I just don't see, um, I, I see Ayn Rand's view as, as you know, I, I agree with almost all of it, um, except the, the, the atheist stuff. Um, um, uh, and to some degree, I don't agree with the altruism stuff, although I see where she's coming from. You know, it's, it's, you can't build a civilization off objectivism. I don't see why not. <laughs> I mean, you, I, I don't, I don't see, uh, see so you said families don't pull out we the living and capitalism, the unknown ideal. These are some, for anyone who's watching this and doesn't know, uh, we the living is one of Ayn Rand's novels. And uh, she wrote a collection of essays, a nonfiction book called Capitalism, the Unknown Ideal. So that's what Samuel's referring to. And um, so you're saying people don't, Families don't read these together as some families read the Bible together. Yeah. And that's okay. How, how does that um, help show that you couldn't build a civilization on objective so, principles? So, so, so the goal, at, at, at least at least Hyde's argument is that, that civilization is built off a large number of people all following a, a, a common ideal, all common, uh, a shared idea. So mm -hmm. in Ayn Rand's world, that would be, you know, a, a quite a, quite a strong form of, of free market capitalism, um, plus, you know, her views on romanticism and, and aesthetics, um, you know, you know, it, it, quite a specific set of theories. Um, that she spent her whole life, you know, figuring out and writing down and, and expressing to other people. Mm -hmm. My argument is that's all well and good, but, you know, if people aren't, if you don't have that kind of organized structure of people, you know, getting together on a Friday night or whatever, whatever day or night of the week and, and communally, um, reading and and discussing and you know critiquing each other for for falling short of the ideal if you don't have that then you can't build a civilization off that um so so i've heard a lot of critiques of of the anti-christian movement as as you know not thanking christianity for all that came before you know yes we've got this whole rationalist like scientific rationalism and, and it's all great but, you know, we wouldn't have had this without, without that civilization before it. And, 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 you know, you could argue that we don't need it anymore, but I don't think you can argue that we couldn't have got there without it. Okay. I just want to make a note that we've uh, kind of gotten away from the topic of the existence of God, and that's okay. Um, I'm perfectly happy to talk about other things, um, but just so our audience knows. Um, what, 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 no, no, no. Yeah, no, no, I, I actually don't think it is off topic. So I, th I, think, I think we need God because we need a shared ideal. And we need a shared ideal because you can't build a civilization without it. So whether you, whether you, you know, believe in a, in a white bearded guy in the sky that is saying, you do this, you do that. Um, which isn't the Jewish view, but, but, but it's, uh, various religions believe that. Um, 
or whether you just believe that it is necessary to have a belief in order to build a civilization. You know, both, you know, what's at the end of the day, what is really the, the difference? Whether you believe in God or whether you believe God is necessary in order to build a civilization, I, 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 they're pretty much the same thing. Both here is a belief in God. I think there's a difference between the belief that God exists and the belief that you need religion in order to have a civilization. I, I think those are two different things that could be debated. And there might be some, you know, relations and overlap uh, between those, but I think they are different topics. And we've kind of transitioned to the second, the one about is religion necessary for a civilization? And as I said, I, I'm fine talking about that, but just I, I just want it to be clear to our audience if they're expecting to hear a debate or a discussion uh, on the existence of God and they're wondering like, why are these guys, <laughs> you know, they're, all, they're all off on this other topic about, do you need religion for civilization? Um, I just want our audience to know that uh, we didn't have a super strict uh, plan here to, to stick on one topic. And I, and I said in advance um, before we started here that I was fine. I think I said that I was fine if we uh, drifted into other topics, but I just wanted to be clear that that's what we're doing. And I want our audience to know that we might not be strictly adhering to one uh, topic. So, um, so uh, do you want to continue talking about this, this aspect of is religion necessary for civilization? Well, yeah, I, I think I've, I think I've given a pretty, a pretty good introduction to it. Um, so I'd be interested in hearing your critique or agreement. With okay. Yeah. So I, um, I don't think, certainly not now that religion is, is necessary for civilization. And I think it would actually be better off if civilization would be better off on an objectivist uh, foundation. Okay, we are back. We had a little interruption there. Uh, we were talking about whether religion, oh yeah, whether religion is necessary for civilization. And I was saying, I, I don't think it is, and you don't have, um, I mean, people aren't gonna, I, I think it would be better off on a, on a secular objectivist kind of foundation and people wouldn't be necessarily sitting around reading Ayn Rand's books in an organized way. I, I mean, maybe some family, probably some families would, <laughs> um, uh, but, I don't see the obstacle to having a civilization founded on objectivist principles. And I don't remember uh, what you said to that, or if you were in the middle of making some points. So let me. Yeah. So, 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 I mean, I mean, as I said, I, I mostly agree with, with, with Ayn Rand's theories, but you look at the civilizations or, or lack of civilizations that um, Ayn Rand critiques and, you know, she's, it's been called a racist for, for a bunch of stuff. I, I think it's all, you know, I don't think, I don't think any of that's justified, but, but you look at some of the civilizations that she, that she critiques and 
they are, you know, pre-industrial civilizations. Um, industrial civilizations are, you know, a whole bunch of factors need to be true for a civilization to become industrialized or a whole bunch of um, essentially, you know, essential slavery needs to be done in order to, in order to make it happen otherwise, you know, like with Mao's great leap forward. Um, uh, if you want to do it in a freedom loving way, then you need people to respect each other's individual liberties, individual rights. Now, there are a number of, of ways of defending the existence of individual rights, and you can defend it from a God perspective, you can defend it from, a, from an atheistic perspective, or you can do the, the Rothbard argument, which says that it doesn't really matter which perspective you take, the fact is they exist. Um, but the issue is, how do you build a civilization off natural rights, which is the goal? So, you know, the, the, the Judeo-Christian view that, you know, there's a spark of the divine in each person. So you can't, you know, murder another person because you're, you're trying to, you know, kill the divine. Um, um, obviously, neither religion is anti-slavery because we've got slavery throughout, throughout the Bible. Um, but the, you know, at least in the, in the Jewish form of slavery, um, you're meant, the slave is meant to sleep on the same pillow as the, as the slave owner. You're meant to treat them right. Um, um, again, I'm very anti-slavery, but if you look at the, you look at the, the Bible, it's, it's very much about that. Um, I don't see, you know, you, you, you're an objectivist, you're in America. Do you know any families where, where the entire family is objectivist? Uh, I can think of some where, yeah, I think all the members of the immediate family are objectivists. I mean, there's not many, but I, I mean, I don't, I don't think this really matters to the, to the issue. I mean, Ayn Rand, she offers a secular theory of rights. Yes. And I think it's a good theory. And, you know, we can talk about that theory. No, no, I agree with her um, theory of rights. I, th well, I think she's, she's basically correct. Um, I would just, I would just say that it's just another defense for, for God-given rights. Well, I, I don't see, I don't see that it's her theory is, a, is another defense of God-given rights. Well, I don't see the contradiction between her views on rights and, um, uh, you know, the, the various uh, Christian leaders, you know, the various doctors of the church's defense of natural rights. Um, they are so close to equivalent that I'm going to say they're equivalent. Well, if, I mean, if you think rights, I, I'm not super familiar with their views, but if you think rights are a gift of God, I mean, and she denies there's a God, then she's clearly got a different view of where rights come from. Yeah, but the rights that she uh, elucidates are the same rights that, that Judeo-Christian, or, or especially Christian, actually, they're much more specific, um, write down. You know? So, so yes, yes. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, does... Well, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal. 
You know, those are two big, those are two biggies that are missing from a lot of religions. Well, those are, those are commandments, but those, I mean, you could call those ethical rules and they have, I guess those have some political implications. Huge political Um, But, but I don't, I mean, those are, uh, so on Ayn Rand's view, it's, it's wrong to initiate force. Yes against other people and uh thou shalt not kill even that is not necessarily always true on Rand's view i mean maybe you should kill somebody if they're like in self-defense for instance so there's no there's no um absolute prohibition on killing people it had you have it depends on the context well in 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 judaism if um if someone's pointing a gun to you um, and they say, uh, shoot this innocent, and they give you a gun and they say, shoot this innocent person um, or you will die, then, then that, is, that is the one circumstance when, when in Judaism, it's okay to kill yourself. Um, uh, so, so self-defense is obviously protected, but suicide is basically not protected unless it's one of those kind of circumstances. Um, and having a, you know, you, you, building a civilization, is it the goal? Is that important? Is civilization important? I, I, looking at Ayn Rand's writing, it seems to be extremely important. Um, uh, I mean, even if you, even if you look at uh, uh, Galt's Gulch from uh, Atlas Shrugged, even in that tiny community, or if community is the right word to use it, even in a tiny group of people, um, what they're doing is they're building a civilization. Um, I mean, she, Ayn Rand is definitely... World, but they're building a civilization. I think that I don't, I don't want to ruin the novel for anybody, but um, I'm not sure I would call it a civilization as opposed to like a little temporary settlement but but anyway um yeah ayn rand is definitely pro-civilization uh but of course civilization uh can come in many different forms i mean there's egyptian civilization where you've got you know it's a theocracy and um and then you've got American civilization where you have respect for individual rights and you've got Nazi civilizations or societies. So um, if the contrast is just civilization versus barbarism, then uh, from that point of view, I think one could say in, that civilization is a good thing. It's an advance, but um, one has to be mindful that there can be horrible civilizations. So I'm not sure that civilization per se is, is a good thing. I mean, if it's like a Nazi civilization, although you might think that's a civilization in decay, but um, anyways, if, if, if it's the right kind of civilization, at least, that's definitely a good thing for 
human beings. And, and in recent memory, I can only think of, of two um, big civilizations which are, um, are atheists. And, you know, that's the, that's the Soviets and that's uh, China. Um, uh, that's, in that's in recent memory. As you, as you mentioned, you know, the Nazis were arguably quite, quite Christian. Arguably they were not, but, you know, you, you, see, you see arguments on both sides of that. Um, that it is a fact that the Pope turned a blind eye to, to what was going on. Um, um, and some have argued that he actually explicitly supported it, but others have argued that's not the case. At the end of the day, if God doesn't exist, then what is, um, what is the goal of, what is the goal of life? You know what is what is meaning. If 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 God exists, then it's clear, or at least it's clearer, if it's not completely obvious, um, what the meaning of life is. You know, I know Ayn Rand is is extremely anti-nihilism, but why not be pro-nihilism if there's no God? Okay, so now we're on to the meaning of life. <laughs> we're we're. Uh covering a lot of big topics here, which is fine. It's fine. Um, so I don't think you need God for meaning or purpose in life. I think you can find your own purpose and choose your own purpose. Like I, uh, you might love architecture and you want to spend your life uh, building buildings and you find that a very fulfilling activity um you might say it gives your life meaning okay but i'm not i'm not building a fountainhead <laughs> you're not building a fountain okay so for anyone who doesn't know one of ayn rand's books the fountainhead one of her novels is about an architect um so anyways uh your i think your profession can give you a central purpose in life and that's something that you, you can just choose as you're growing up, you find you, your interests develop in certain ways. I think. You yeah, can. I agree completely. And, but yeah, I don't think you need God for that. You just find some activity that you find enjoyable and that would help support your life. And you could build your life around that. And I think that could make your life very purposeful and meaningful and um, have nothing I, to do with a guy. I, 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 I agree to some degree. I agree to some degree. Um, except that last bit about nothing to do with God. I, I mean, have you read much of Max Weber? No. So, so Max Weber is, is probably most famous for, I believe he coined the term, or maybe he popularized it, um, Protestant work ethic. So, you know, finding meaning through, through labor, finding meaning through work is a core tenet of, of Protestantism. And they do make reference to Judaism as, as Jews do that and have done that for, for as long as there's been Jews. Um, I agree that you can find meaning through your work. I find meaning through my work. But it is not, it is not meaning independent of other people. Um, it seems like a lot of Ayn Rand's writing, a lot of atheist thought is about me, 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 me. 
sometimes it sometimes you need to look beyond me now Ayn Rand's argument against self-sacrifice I kind of agree with I think I think she's she's essentially right that if you put um, someone above yourself um, like, like another human above yourself um, um, you, you know you put your neighbor your neighbor above yourself and you know, you're, you're going to go without food so they can go with food. Um, I, I, I agree with her. I, I, I think self-sacrifice of that kind is, 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 means that you're following a philosophy of death, to use, to use her, her language. Um, but to say that there is um, no value in... Um, uh, 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 in helping others, there's no value in in community. Um, I think she's missed she's missed something. I think that is what makes us um, human. You know, we're not. You know, some some creatures hunt and pack. Some creatures hunt individually. I don't think we're a hunting individually kind of kind of uh, animal. Um, we do hunt in packs and we should. Um, and, you know, whether you would, you would say that you can only hunt in a pack if you all share the same religion or you all share the same common ideals so that, you know, one wolf doesn't just eat another wolf. You know, you know it's like, no, no, you can't, you can't do that. Um, but I, it seems like, especially the Ayn Rand sorts are, are the lone wolf sorts. Am I wrong in 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 saying that? Yeah, I, it does sound like your your uh, your portrayal of her view is not what her view is. She actually has an article where she, I think she even uses the term "lone wolf" in her article "Selfishness Without a Self." There's a certain type of person who's kind of keeps to himself, and I think her portrayal of that. Is, is negative in, in that article. I mean, she's all in favor of having social relationships. She had a loving husband. Uh, she married for 50 years. She had friendships. She's engaging with the world. Um, she was not, I wouldn't describe her as, as a lone wolf. I mean, she's an individualist, but uh, she also had relationships with people and she thought that's part of what makes life great. I mean, you can see in her novels, her characters are not hermits who are not having any interactions. They, ha they have very strong, deep emotional relationships with each other. And I mean, some they of do. The... They do, but if you look at, you know, the, char the characterization of, of family and, and, and of, of having children, you look at if you look at those char characterizations so um i think it was in we the living where she describes you know sex as um uh, like, like, like like kind of the soviet style you know that that you'd do it once a year and it would be you know in inhuman you know the whole the whole uh, approach i think i think that was we the living um and uh, uh and then they finally you know escape and they find themselves in some cabin and then they, you know, give each other names and they properly engage. Um, 
you look in uh, uh, Atlas Shrugged and, and the only, it, I, I think there are two mothers referenced. Um, one mother is, is someone that, that would sometimes bring packed lunches for the, for the factory workers and then, and then was allowed to starve because the factory workers ran out of money and they're just like, oh, we're not going to take care of her because we're, uh, we're, because we don't believe in, you know, innovation. We don't believe in, in any of this stuff. And the other example was a barefooted um, uh, in some, in some uh, town that used to be an industrial town, some barefooted mother that, you know, was making candles from like cow fat. Um, I don't think that Ayn Rand is very much a, a pro, like a, a, a family promoting um, philosopher. And if you're not family promoting, then you're not civilization promoting. Am I am I wrong in this kind of characterization? Uh, I I, th I think it. I mean, someone who's just re listening to this conversation and hasn't read Ayn Rand, I think is going to get a misimpression. I mean, if they take, if they just heard your presentation, I think, and they, I I, I don't think that would be an accurate portrayal. Ayn Rand is certainly not anti-family. I think it's true that in her her works she she doesn't make a big deal about family um but i don't think she's she's anti having a family and having that be uh, a significant value in someone's life or having children personally it wasn't something she chose to do in her life but but you don't think I, that she, she would didn't say have anything raising against a family with sacrifice uh, what's that? You don't think she would say that that raising a family would be self-sacrifice because you would be putting your children's needs above your own? Well, not necessarily. I mean, it could be. And I, I she she would say if you're going to have a family, you should do it because it's a value to you to have a family. So it's in your own self-interest. You like the experience of raising a child. Um, you shouldn't do it because you think you have some duty uh, to procreate and continue the species or something like that. It should be because it's on your, your own interest. In her terms, she would say it's, it's, it's selfish. It should be selfish. That's in her understanding of what it means to be selfish, meaning it's, it's just good for yourself, basically. And there's lots more that could be said about that, but there's many things which could be done for selfish reasons or, or for self-sacrificial reasons. And I think uh, having a family is one of them. You could also do it for uh, maybe uh, um, like everybody else around me is having kids and I'm expected to have kids. My family is telling me you got to do this. So I'm going to do it. It's not because you personally want it, but just because you feel these social pressures. And I think she would also say that's a bad reason to have a family, but there could also be good reasons to have a family. So she's not against having a family per se, it's just that the reasons that would be good to have a family, if you are going to have one, is that they benefit your own life. I mean, I mean, I remember her. Uh, she, she had some critique of the feminism of the day, saying that you're making common cause with with prostitutes, um, and that we should, you know, distance ourselves from from um, the the those kinds of of people. But but she also had some very um, 
correct me if I'm wrong, but she was that she was she was pro-abortion at, at at any period, um, and at any at any trimester. Um, uh, I would argue that that is anti-feminist, um, and I would argue that without without seeing a part of the divine in every individual, then it is it is too easy to defend abortion because you know it's your body, or at least the out, the outer the outer shell is your body. So why can't you? do whatever whereas if you take the judeo-christian view that there's a spark of the divine then you know well you can't it's not it's not up to you to to, to destroy that yeah so okay so we you brought up a couple other topics so feminism and then abortion um so just on, on uh maybe say a word about each of those a little on each of those so feminism uh she was against women having getting special favors from the governments um because they were women so uh women shouldn't have any special rights i mean they should have uh same rights as any individuals have male or female um they don't get special rights like uh um, I don't know what rights were being talked about. Uh, well, equal pay, I think. I don't know that she discussed that. Um, now, it might be rational for an employer to pay a, a woman the same they would pay a man for the same work, but I don't think the, the government has a right to enforce that. So the government can't basically use force, point a gun at an employer and say, you must pay the same to women as as you pay to men um, and enforce that at the point of a gun. I think she would say, no, the government has no business stepping in there. Um, and what should be done if the if women are not being treated fairly is, you know, you can boycott a business if they're being bigoted or, or racist or sexist, um, but it's not the proper role of the government to to step in uh there on uh abortion uh i i don't know that uh her view was that you can abort justifiably in any trimester i, I think that might have been her view uh i don't know that she had a firm view um but i i'm i'm very confident that she thought it was there's no reason to prohibit abortion in the first trimester when it's just, uh, you know, I think she used the term protoplasm in one of her articles or something like that. Uh, she, she didn't think that an embryo has rights and it's not a spark. There's no spark of the divine. She didn't even believe in a God. So of course, um, she wouldn't think an uh, embryo is, uh, you know, something that God had anything to do with. Um, so there's no, there's no grounds in her view for giving a right to life to, to an embryo. That rights are things that in the first instance, um, human beings 
individual developed human beings like you and I have, not you know little tiny cells attached to the inside of a woman. I think uh, her understanding of rights is that they don't apply to that type of thing. And we, we can discuss that. And actually that's one of the topics that I've been um, posting about online to try to get, get some interested in people uh, who want to debate the, the abortion topic. And uh, we can talk about that some more if you'd like. Because the, the Angrand, I always misquote this, but the Angrand view of rights, it's something like a reflection of their sentience that because they, um, because they have a kind of a, a complicated consciousness and a relation with reality, that that is what gives them rights. I, I'm misquoting it. Can, can can you can you just refine what I just said? I can try to sketch out a little on her view. It, it's not sentience, if that just means consciousness. Uh, so, for instance, animals uh, would be sentience. They have consciousness, but they don't have rights. It's. Um, well, I, I think that's an argument. I, I don't. I don't know. If on her true. view, I mean, yeah, that's oh. you know, that's another debate that could be had. Do animals have rights? But uh, on her view, I don't think sentience or consciousness is a sufficient condition of rights. It's uh, human beings. If you have a rational kind of mind, a rational consciousness, um, that's the sort of being that has rights. So you can't reason with an animal. Animals, they, they just operate by brute force or instincts. You can't you know, persuade a bear not to, not to maul you. Um, but human beings have the capacity to deal with each other by reason and not just deal with each other by brute force. And they'll be much better off, human beings, if they do deal with each other by reason or persuasion Yes, but, and rights but, are meant that, but that's only that's only at a certain stage that that we have reason in that sense. You know, um, I've got a I've got a twenty two month old niece. You know, I can kind of reason with her, but kind of not. Mm -hmm. um, I certainly couldn't have reasoned with her a year ago. Um, so at you know, at whatever stage of development, say it's say it's two or three years old, that you can start to like properly reason with a with a human. So, I guess by Ayn Rand's view, you could you could kill a child up to that age. Of course, <laughs> no, obviously that's uh, uh... because they don't have, they don't have the faculty of reason yet. They've got the potential for the faculty of reason, and barring any, you know, crazy disability that happens, they'll, they'll gain that. Um, but they don't have it yet. And if, and if, you're, and if her argument is that, um, oh, but, but you can't kill them because they, they will have that eventually, then, sh then you have to be anti-abortion. I, I don't know that, uh, no, again, I, don't, I don't think that- I'm not super familiar with her views. So okay. Yeah. yeah, so um, we have different rights at different stages. So a, a, a three-year-old doesn't have the right to vote or to drive a car. Um, 
but, but, but those aren't rights. You know, there, there's, there's negative liberties and there's positive liberties. But these aren't, the, and libertarians only, only believe in negative liberties. These aren't activities that people at that age can properly do. They just don't have the maturity for it. Their, their rational capacities have not developed sufficiently that they can undertake these, these activities. So uh, there's, there's a gradation and you, you get more, more and more rights, or I don't know if that's the right term, um, things that you can legally do as you mature. Uh, so it's not, um, it's not an all or nothing proposition as to whether you have rights. Um, your rights can increase as you, as you get older, at least, you know, once you're a legal adult, 18 in, in the United States, then you have full set of rights and your parents are no longer responsible for you. I, I, I would argue that your, your responsibilities might increase, but your rights are constant throughout your entire life. So yes, uh, a, a well, baby no, like, that drops uh, a hammer and kills someone shouldn't be accused of manslaughter because it's a, it's a freaking baby. But a, um, uh, you know, a 15 year old that does it, well, they should be held for manslaughter because they know what's going on. Uh, take something like, sorry, I missed part of your example because I was thinking of something else while you were talking. Uh, 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 dropping a hammer, you, you know, the traditional like manslaughter charge. You know, you're on a work site and a hammer drops and, and hits an innocent passerby. Well, you had no intent to kill them, but yeah. they died anyway. So that's, that's the manslaughter charge. Yeah. So if a baby, you know, knocks a hammer off and it kills someone, well, the baby, you know, yes, the baby has full rights, but you wouldn't hold the baby responsible for, you know, you wouldn't, the baby wouldn't be held for manslaughter because that just doesn't make sense. Here's an example of where I think you might say they don't have full rights. So take something like diet. When you're a parent, you can control what the child eats to some extent, at least. If, they, if all they want to do is eat pizza and they never want to eat vegetables, you can interfere with that. So they don't have the right to eat whatever they want. But if you're an adult, you can just eat pizza if that's what you want to do. No one has a right to stop you. You have the right to eat whatever you want. Um, so that's, that's, that's an example of what I mean when I say they don't have full rights no no but, no no but, but in that scenario in that scenario there, there is no um or, or, or unless you're like one of those crazy thin uh, advocates there is no um uh right to eat a pizza that they're that they're not having because it's not a right um well, you could yeah, argue that the right a... to do what you want with your own body is your right and your parents saying you know don't you know, we can, we're an abstinence family, abstinence before marriage family. If, if you know, don't have, don't have sex out of wedlock. You know, if, if, if that's the thing, then I, I suppose that's, you could say that that's restricting the freedom of the individual. Um, but the individual can always, you know, leave the, leave the household um, to some degree. Um, 
but 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 I think I think we're getting a bit a bit off off kilter. The 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 argument is um, how can you um, how can you justify um, uh, abortion? Um, it's easy to ju justify abortion if you're if you're an atheist. It's hard to justify abortion if you're if you're religious. Well, depending on your religion, obviously some religions uh, uh, sacrifice babies. Um, um, but you know, modern modern religions, particularly Judeo-Christian religions, are, are especially Catholics, are, are extremely anti anti-abortion, and and I think with good reason. And I think that without without the protection without the religious sentiment, then it is too easy to kill babies without the, the Judeo-Christian sentiment. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, objectivists are promoting killing of babies, but they're not fighting against it either. And if ever there was a need for God, it is in protecting the most, the most innocent, the weakest among us. Um, well, th there's a question here of what you mean by baby. So a lot of times people who are anti- Or, 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 or zygote, you know, like, 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 like there are a, a bunch of fatal stages of development. Okay, well, so, I think those are important differences. I, I don't think they are. I, 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 you know, I, I studied, I studied, uh, well, I took a class in astrobiology at, at uni and, and the, the, the most difficult question that they tried to answer is, is what is life? Um, and, you know, this was taught by the School of Geology and they made a whole bunch of arguments, including, you know, well, crystals are, could be considered life because they, you know, they replicate and they grow and all that. Um, uh, and um, that famous atheist, I forget his name, just this second, but that who invented the, the term meme, and you could argue that a meme itself is a life because it grows and changes and, and all, all, that, all that fun stuff. In, in, in the human world, and it's hard to make any argument that it, that it begins before that, and, and I've seen the arguments that it begins after that, and it just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, if you're making a viability argument, it's like, well, the, the, when a fetus is viable keeps changing as technology advances and you know rights shouldn't change because of technology you know, it's... Mm -hmm. yeah i don't think Rand makes a viability arguments uh i think it's the, can you still hear me, by the way? Because your, your screen is frozen on my end. Sorry to the audience, we had some technical difficulties, but we are back now. Okay, so we were in the middle of talking about abortion, and I think you were making a point about, oh, I, I said there's, I think it's an, you used the term babies, and I said, well, I think there's an important difference between a baby and a zygote, and then you were saying, well, actually, there's, there's not really yeah there's not really a difference um well, well i mean uh uh medically there's a difference and 
you know, it's important to have these gradients for people that are treating, you know, issues with, with the unborn because, you know, oh, it's not growing at the right rate. We need to increase whatever. Um, but from a, from an ethical standpoint, um, uh, thinking of it as a baby all the way from conception onwards is, is in, in my opinion, the right way to, the right way to view it. Um, um, and I don't see without, without believing in God, how you couldn't justify, um, abortion after birth. Um, because for for quite a long period of time, um, you don't have you know that kind of rationality that allows you to you know debate and say you know you're on my land no I, no that's my land you know kind of that what Ayn Rand would say is is necessary for someone to to be considered right bearing. Um, no one, no one, no one would say that a that a like one month old baby you could <laughs> debate with. You know, you could say that's mine, that's yours. You know, they don't have that yet. Neither does the baby in the womb. Neither does you know earlier stages of development. Um, but at all stages, there's the spark of the divine, and it's just difficult to, to consider it otherwise. And, and I think that's a big issue with, with um, not believing in God, that you don't believe in the sanctity of human life. Uh, or at least not I, the sanctity of human life at every stage. Well, there's, there's a question of whether uh, it counts as a human at, at certain stages. Well, 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 is a one-month-old a human? Uh, yeah, I would. Why? I would say so. Why? Well, it's. Um, I think maybe the way to approach this is to start with paradigm examples. So when when we learn what a human is, like if you're if you're teaching a child what is a human, well, you, you would point to things like you and I and, um, but, and then you, you can see, I mean, the, you learn over time that people change, they grow. Um, but the, the things that you, you learn the concepts human on are are not embryos for one like if you if you pointed to an I, first of all you can't really point to an embryo um in the way you can point to the you and i so i think a, a child might just be confused if you if you pointed to things like you and i are right now and then you you pointed at a woman's belly or something <laughs> And then said, that's another example of a human. They would be like, what? What's going on here? Um, yeah, but if you, if you, you know, cut into the mother, open, open up that belly, you know, and you saw, you know, oh, there's an ear kind of, there are fingers kind of, you know, you know that there's, 
you could point to that as being a human. Well, I mean, at at a uh, at certain stages, I think you could uh, say that's that's uh, at least the human in development. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you would want to call it a full-on human. Um, I would. At least in the early stages, like if if it's just a little clump of cells attached to the uterine wall, is it is it obvious that that's a human? If you start, if you're if you're teaching someone what a human is by giving examples and you point to things like you and I are now, and then you point to the little tiny cell clump and say, this is another example of a human. I mean, at the least it's not obvious that, but that from, that's from a, a human. From a technology perspective, um, one could imagine, you know, in, a, in some number of decades from today that, you know, at, a few months or less than that we can we can have a viable you know the the baby can live outside the mother and grow in a lab until it reaches maturity and can and doesn't need any systems connected to it any external systems connected to it so 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 one one could imagine that technology will develop to such a level that maybe even you know immediately after conception Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can grow the rest of the baby in a lab. Um, um, you know, there was some there was something that was done with a goat, I think, like two years ago, where where, where they made a lot of progress in that in that area. Um, again, a goat's not a human, but but you know that's how that's how science develops. We, we experiment on animals. Um, with that in mind. I don't think abortion can be justified at any level because, you know, your rights don't change because technology changes. Uh, well, I don't think I was claiming that I was or, or that my argument so, depended. I mean, I said before that I, I, I don't think it, it depends on the state of technology. I mean, there might be some cases that have nothing to do with abortion where I think uh, your rights or at least the form that rights takes does depend on the state of technology. Like I'm thinking of um, uh, like fire uh, being used to keep people warm and might be fine in a uh, primitive civilization or maybe pre-civilization where there's no other means of keeping you warm. uh, But there's a lot of smoke and pollution that comes along with that, that you're breathing in. But if you're in an advanced civilization where there are other cleaner ways of um, getting the, the warmth you need, then there might be a case to be made that, uh, you know, fire is like uh, a hazard that has to be constrained in certain ways. So maybe in certain contexts, it's okay to allow fires and others it's not. But anyways. You don't, but you don't, have a, you don't have a right to keep warm. And it's not that that right is being infringed upon by not letting not letting your neighbor or, or not letting whatever set a fire. Sorry. The the issue with abortion is um, there is more than one life in play. Um, and the argument 
at least the way I understand it from atheists, is there is no sanctity of life. You know, it's my body, I can do whatever I want with it. There, you know, there might be a potential life, but it's not a life yet. Or might be a potential baby, but it's not a baby yet. You know, it's got no real moral worth. Um, um, in the same way that, uh, you know, if, I, if I've got some sort of lesion growing, um, some sort of cancer, mm-hmm. I can just cut out that cancer. It's got no moral worth. Yes, it's living, but it's got no moral worth. And I think that's a big issue with, with a lot of atheist philosophies, mm-hmm. that they don't, they don't award sufficient moral worth to the individual. Well, I mean, if talking about moral worth, uh, if you think it's good to sacrifice individuals, I don't know how much moral worth you're really attributing. Oh, no, but, but I conceded earlier that I basically agree with her view on self-sacrifice. You agree with Rand's view of self-sacrifice? Basically. That it's evil? Yeah, I, it, it, the way she explains it, I, I, I can't think of a good contradiction um, um, because she's essentially, she's essentially right. You know, if, if, if airbags are coming down and you're on a plane, not, not airbags, the oxygen's coming down, you're meant to put it on yourself first. If you put it on the, the kid next to you first, then you're going to die. So you shouldn't sacrifice yourself to, to save that person next to you. First, save yourself, then look to, then look around. Um, and and I'm sure plenty of Christians would disagree with me on that. Okay. Um, but but Rand is Rand is correct because if you do put someone else's life above your own, then yours is a philosophy of death. Okay. Uh, Again, using Rand's terminology. Okay, I'm I'm trying to. We're, we're jumping around a bit, which is not. I'm not faulting faulting you or anything for that. I'm just. I I, I want to try to make this productive. Um, so I'm thinking of how to do that. What, what, back on the abortion argument, I don't understand how you could. Um, have a fully atheistic view of rights that didn't permit abortion at any period of time, including, you know, within a few months of of birth. Um, I don't understand the difference between a newborn baby and a baby inside the womb. They're at basically the same level of development. Okay. I, I think they're there might be some optionality or arbitrariness about it. Like different countries have different legal ages for being an adult. Like some countries it's 21, some it's 18, maybe some it's 16. Yeah. Australia is basically 16. 16. Okay. So it might be that there's, there's not like one right place to draw the line yet nevertheless 
in a given society in order to have rule of law and you need to make some choice. So, you know, whether you well, want to make it at, um, I don't think you can draw that line. I think only God can draw that line. <laughs> I mean, if you're arguing, if you're going to depend on God, I mean, we have to go back to the beginning of this conversation and, uh, discuss the existence of God. So if your well, view of abortion yeah. depends on God and, I don't accept the existence of God, then we have to talk about the existence of God first. If you're going to make any headway in persuading so, me that my view is wrong and your argument that my view is wrong depends in any way on the existence of God, we have to talk about the existence of God. I, 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 I agree. Um, um, but before we, before we go back in that line, um, How, if you believe in individual rights, and if you believe that those individual rights are not God-given, at what stage do you acquire them? Is it at three years old when you're able to negotiate over property? Well, as I was saying before, I think you acquire them over time. I think maybe you get a minimal right to life when you're born but even that i think you could argue exactly is it when the umbilical umbilical cord is cut is it when the head starts to come out i don't think it's too important right now that that's settled but well i think, I think it's the most important thing because if you it. don't agree if you don't agree with with um if if you don't have a a objective you know, your whole, your whole philosophy is, is objective. You don't have an objective theory on when life begins, when life is moral, moral agency, whatever the terminology is. If you don't have, have an articulate view on that, then your whole philosophy will, falls apart because it's not, it's not consistent all the way down. It's only consistent all the way up. Babies is not the place to begin a discussion of rights. I think the issue of rights is properly approached, I think, and first, in the first instance, by talking about adult human beings. How is it right for people like you and I to deal with each other? Is it appropriate if we have a disagreement to resort to force, or is it appropriate for us to try to reason with each other? I think that's the first thing we have to figure out. If yeah, we, and, if we can't. And, and, we, and I essentially agree with Rand's and view after on it's, Hold on, just, just a second. Yeah. After we have a, a view on how it's appropriate for adults, human beings to interact with each other, then we can deal with more difficult, what I think are more difficult cases, which is, how do rights apply? How should inter human beings at different ages interact? What sorts of rights do uh, minors have? Or where should we draw the line for being a minor? But I don't think the place to start getting clear is with babies um, in exactly uh, knowing exactly where, if anywhere, it's appropriate to draw the line. I, I don't know that there has to be a one answer for everybody, but I don't think that's the most important issue. 
for a theory of rights? So, so the the objectivist theory of rights and 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 handling um, interpersonal conflict, you know, I essentially agree with and. Um, you know, as much as Ayn Rand wants to say that that the only person, the only philosopher she has to thank for her ideas is is Aristotle. There's a whole bunch of other philosophers along the way that that have defended the views um, exactly as as Ayn Rand has done. Um, was it was it Albert J. Nock? No. Um, but anyway, another another philosopher brought in a lot of. Um, uh, doctors of the of the Catholic Church, um, uh, like doctors of the Church, um, uh, that were able to defend the same views Ayn Rand defends, but from a from a Christian um, stance. The issue is not there. So yes, I agree. Ayn Rand's philosophy is basically, you know, when you get down to it, it's basically the same as the Christian philosophy, which is heavily inspired and based upon the Jewish philosophy. I, I, I tend to agree with all of that. And obviously Aristotle had a huge impact on, on um, Maimonides and, and on Thomas Aquinas, um, both of whom brought, brought uh, uh, Greek rationality into, into each religion's uh, essentially doctrine. Um, the issue though, or the issues that, that I've kind of presented in, in, this, in this call is that you can't build a civilization on rationality alone. It's not sufficient. And if it was sufficient, um, then, you know, I mean, Ayn Rand's been dead for what, 40 years, something like that. Um, when Atlas Shrugged was, was published, a whole bunch of people in the libertarian sphere thought that was it, you know? This is finally something that is, that is so well articulated, um, so popular, the, the argument has now been won. But clearly you look at, you look at today and, and the argument hasn't been won. Um, uh, people are still living, um, not giving moral worth to each other people are still treating others as a means to an end rather than ends in themselves. And really the, the whole objectivist uh, philosophy has been insufficient against the, the, the tide of, of collectivism. Um, and, you know, I'm extremely anti-collectivist, but that doesn't mean that it hasn't won the day. Now, Judeo-Christian philosophy has a has an answer to it. and yes both have fallen short of the ideal throughout throughout you know the last couple of thousand years but the ideal is is correct and if you don't believe in god then over time the ideal will will, will be compromised you know people will say well oh ayn rand didn't quite believe in that you know, oh, altruism is okay. Like you see some people in, in the objectivist movement saying that. Um, and, and it just, just over time, it just becomes compromised. Whereas um, 
to some degree, Judaism and to some degree, Christianity are protected from compromise because there are some fundamental ideals which can't be um, pushed against because those ideals are not, uh, or at least the way we consider them, they're not man-made, they're, they're God-made. They're not, they're not given by man's interaction with man, they're given by God. Um, we have rights not because um, of the way we converse with each other, um, it's kind of a hoppy in argument, um, but we have rights because we have a spark of the divine. Okay, uh, let me jump in here. You said a little bit ago, I think, something like Christianity and, and Judaism are basically in agreement with Rand. And yes. I, I think that's just totally wrong. And I think Ayn Rand herself, I mean, she, she thought she was rebelling against um, 2,000 years of Judeo-Christian philosophy. So, I mean, if, if you think that they're basically in agreement, then I think there's, I mean, we fundamentally disagree on that. And I, I don't know that it's, it's going to be very, um, I, I don't know that it, like discussing an issue like abortion really makes sense, given that it's maybe that's a relatively complicated issue compared to is there a basic agreement between objectivism and Christianity? I mean, if we're not even in agreement on that, then our, our frameworks are, are really at odds. And I don't know that we're going to make any headway in trying to discuss this abortion issue. Um, well, like, obviously there are huge disagreements between objectivism, Catholicism and Judaism. Yeah. But there are certain fundamental agreements between all three philosophies, if you think of them as, as, as pure philosophies. And those fundamental agreements are, you know, you treat everyone as an end in themselves, not as a means to an end. You know, if you look at Atlas Shrugged, where, where, where that's like entombed in the, in the writing, and that's how you like, that's your open sesame by saying that. And, and, and that's how you get into the, I think it was like a power station or something. Um, that is fundamental to to all. You are not three. an end in yourself, according to Christianity. You're a, you're a player in God's plan. Your life is not yours to live for your for yourself. You are not an end in yourself. That whereas for objectivism, you are. Life is all about you. It's not about God. You are a means to God's ends on the Judeo-Christian view. I mean, I mean, maybe I don't understand the Judeo-Christian view well enough, but from my, you know, I'm not a religious scholar, but from my understanding of, of both religions, um, they are extremely fundamentally free will based. Um, and yes, there are some adherents of, of the religion that are very, of each religion that are very much about, you know, God's plan and um, fate. But there are, there are plenty on the other end of that, that, that deny both. Because it is because we have free will that we have moral responsibility. 
you know, angels don't have more responsibility. They don't need the Torah because they don't have free will. They don't have yeah, agency. There, I mean, there's, there's talk about free will in religion. Uh, but I think there's, I don't think there's an, a consistent account. There's also divine foreknowledge. Are you really free if God knows in advance what you're going to do? And what about original sin? I mean, if you think free will is required for moral responsibility, and I agree that it is, well, how can you be born in sin? Can you inherit sin from what other people did? Is that a result of your free actions? Well, well there's a reason I'm Jewish and not Christian. <laughs> we don't believe in original sin. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I still think you have, uh, I think there are many other issues oh yeah no 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 there's a huge number of uh I, I contradictions mean, a, in both religions and, yeah. and moral failings of both religions and, and i totally agree that you know philosophers of of every generation should attempt to replace all existing doctrine with a completely new philosophy i think that is extremely important as an intellectual exercise um, um, and I think Ayn Rand did a, did a, did a good job of, of defining, um, defining morality and how humans interact with humans and, and how to live your best life. Um, I think she did a good job of defining that, um, without reference to, or without too much reference to religion. Um, um, and I think that's, that's good, and I think that's good to have in every generation. But the issue is, without, without God, um, does, does life matter before you? Does life matter after you? Does life matter if you're a woman inside of you? And the answer to all of those could be no, if you're if you're not a follower of, of, of a Judeo-Christian religion. And, and, and the reason is, you know, life only matters for me. That, that's, that's kind of the Ayn Rand view. My, my life matters for me, me alone. Sure, I can have selfish relationships with other people and they can have selfish relationships with me. But, you know, if there's a, if there's a life growing inside me and I don't want it, my life. I, I don't even consider you a life because we can't negotiate over property and you're inside my property and I'm going to expel you from my property. I, I don't know that I, it makes sense to keep talking about the abortion issue um, so long as, I mean, if you still have this view that there's, there's fundamental agreements um between Rand's view and religion. So you, you said just a minute ago, um, does life matter? So on Rand's view, your own life matters, and that's the source of any mattering at all. It's because your own life matters to you that other things might matter to you. Um, so if you're if you're a uh, oh, I just got a message pop up here. Just a second. 
Yeah, no, it's it's you can ignore it. It said it, it's been okay. upgraded by the host. And I think it's because okay. we're only two participants. Okay, so if your your own life is the source of other things mattering to you, uh, so if you want to be a parent, um, and you think it would add value to your life to have a child, then then a zygote could matter to you. But if you don't already have the view that your own life matters, then well, why should why should anything else matter, including a zygote? I think first you. Uh, it's it's because your own life matters that other things should or shouldn't matter. <clears throat> okay, so, it, and I think that view is is fundamentally opposed to the Judeo-Christian view of self-sacrifice. That your life is not the standard of what matters. Um, I mean, indeed, you should do what's not good for you. You should sacrifice yourself. So now maybe you don't agree with that. I, I'm not, I'm not clear. I mean, sometimes it sounds like you're on board with Rand's view of uh, selfishness and you're opposed to self-sacrifice. But then if, if that's your view, then I don't see that you could also say you're fundamental, that Christianity or Judaism is fundamentally in agreement with Rand's view? I mean, I, I, I... the morality of self-sacrifice is fundamentally opposed to the morality of self-interest. So I don't think you can have both. You can't agree with both. <laughs> or you can't say, if you, if you say you agree with one, then you, you can't say that the two are, well, I guess they're independent claims. Anyways, setting aside what you personally agree with. I don't think that the Randian view or the objectivist view is fundamentally in agreement with the Judeo-Christian view on ethics and other things too, but certainly on ethics. I mean, if you, if you take a look at, you know, the Ten Commandments, you know, Ayn Rand would disagree with at least five of them, but the other five she'd probably agree with or four of the other five should agree with. Um, and if you look through the entire, the entire biblical stories and the, and the, uh, the overriding morality, I think Ayn Rand would have some serious disagreements, but she'd also have some serious agreements. Um, there's a lot to be said for the Judeo-Christian ethic and um, sweeping it all under the rug of, oh, your whole religion's about self-sacrifice. Your whole religion is, is anti-rationality. Um, is, I think, a real problem with, with, with Rand. Um, and although I agree with probably 90 or 85% of, of her views, um there is part of it that that um it's it, it it's as if she she, she 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 thinks that her own intellect in a vacuum was able to develop a whole series of philosophies 
I don't think that is that is uh, correct of her to claim, if if that is indeed her claim. I don't think her philosophies would be possible to be articulated the way she articulated them without um, the civilizing influence of Christianity, especially, but also Judaism before that. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's that's the fundamental. And and you know, there's been also a lot of critiques about Rand saying that she was too concentrating on on the Russian experience because that's where she came from. And if she came from somewhere else, then she would have a a, a broader perspective and and, and in in her arguments. Well, she didn't think she came up with her philosophy in a vacuum. I mean, as you said yourself earlier, she admitted, uh, she acknowledged a debt to Aristotle, yep. uh, a large debt, and also I think a, a lesser one to uh, Aquinas and John Locke. Uh, so um, she's building on their shoulders. And, but as for, uh, religion, Judeo-Christian religion, I think she, she did say, at least in some places in a, in a letter, that she thought um, Christianity uh, placed a value on the individual soul. And so maybe Christianity could be considered to have made a contribution to individualism. Um, so I, I think she did have at least some positive things to say about Christianity in some places. I don't know if that was a final mature view that she always held, um, but there is that. But also, um, but I, I don't think it, it would be right to say that they're in fundamental agreements uh, or that that uh, Christianity is fundamentally individualistic. I mean, if individualism is the view that the individual is the primary value, and then your ethical system says, well, that primary value should be sacrificed, uh, then is that really an individualist view or is it an anti-individualist view? Maybe it's not a collectivist view, um, but it's not clear to me that it's a pro-individual view if the view is that the individual should sacrifice himself for the sake of God and or for the sake of other people. So I think even if historically there was something individualist about Christianity, I think it would still be right to say there's a fundamental ethical difference between objectivism and uh, Judeo-Christian morality. And you said like, well, maybe half of the commandments she would agree with. I don't know. I haven't, I don't have them in front of me right now. So I, um, I can't go through each one. Um, but <clears throat> I mean, I, I don't know that that matters. I mean, it's, it's, I think it's clear that a a very large element of the Judeo-Christian moral view is 
the appropriateness of self-sacrifice, the goodness of self-sacrifice. And she's fundamentally opposed to that. So, I mean, we would have to... I mean, if you look at, if you look at a bunch of the, the um, great Jewish philosophers and the great Christian philosophers over, over the centuries and millennia, um, many have posed, including, you know, Aquinas and, and St. Augustine and, and uh, uh, Maimonides, you know, you know and, and a bunch of others, have claimed that, that, that you can actually derive um, your moral framework from nature. By the way, just one second, my battery is almost going to die, so we should try to wrap this up. So why don't you make your point really quick and then let's sure, sure, sure. Uh, call it to an end. So, so, so a bunch of these philosophers have, and theologians have made um, arguments that you can infer these from nature. But at the end of the day, um, if the goal of a moral philosophy is to make a moral, um, is, is to make moral interpersonal relationships and maybe a moral society and moral civilization on top of that, atheism falls short. And atheism will always fall short because because it is too easy to compromise. And as much as objectivism claims to be uncompromising, it is too easy to, you know, trip up an objectivist on, you know, where does life begin? It is too easy to trip up an, an objectivist on, well, why shouldn't we have a world government? It is too easy to, to, to trip up an objectivist on all kinds of moral issues. Whereas you, you, you try to do it against a, a, someone who says that natural rights exist and were God-given, suddenly they can't be compromised, or at least not in the same, not in the same way. So that's, I think that's the conclusion from my end. And, and if you want to wrap it up on your end. Then. Okay. Uh, I, I don't think I'll do a closing statement. I want to make sure we can stop this recording before we get cut off. So uh, I'll just say uh, maybe, uh, yeah, I think, I think there's a fundamental disagreement um, between objectivism and Judeo-Christianity. And um, maybe you disagree with that, but we'll have to explore that another time. <laughs> so thanks for participating and uh, take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Okay.